I just want to I want to hit a few points here because I think that we are well you know last week I challenged you and I if I were to title my message I titled it he is coming title of today's message is, is he is here and you know I don't even think we're going to do that today. I, I have a clip of Asbury, but you know, it's not much different than what happened right here. Seriously, except the, the other difference is there's so much engagement of the body and there's healings and there's all kinds of things. I mean, there's, if you just look at what's happened, even from the Repentance Sunday and all the, the points where God has visited and, and demonstrated himself and shown up um, you know what what do they have special there is it it's not a music playlist it's not big crowds it's not the fact that people are flying in from all over the world because they've heard of something happening this is a college campus and Lord knows we need massive intervention of God on our campuses right <clears throat> and he's doing it and this is the beginning of a tidal wave of interventions by God and it's very simple what is happening there that marks it from all the other places and that is there is a presence of God like this morning like there's God's presence it's simple God's presence the only added element is a willingness of the people to accommodate God it's those two simple things and that looks different all over the place and you know, we've had so many testimonies of salvation, folks. Healing, deliverance, repentance is, a, is another mark of God. Like, to confess your sins to one another. That's authentic, it's genuine, it's real, it's vulnerable. And we've had waves of God's move. You know, like, at, at the Repentance Sunday that went on for five hours, the service just went on and on with people sharing repenting fathers repenting to sons sons repenting to fathers people repenting to everyone in the body people leaving for work or an, an appointment and then finding out it's still going on and driving back to sit at like three four o'clock to keep listening and engaging that was such a powerful week that steve arsenault you know of all people i love you steve steve arsenault said we can't go back to normal like I said, well, that was normal. That was, that was just us just li listening to God, obeying God, and God showed up. Like, but there was this sense like, what do we do now that God has moved like this? Like today, you say like, what do we do? We do the same thing we've always done. If we're doing it, we seek God and accommodate Him. Many, many people don't accommodate God. And that is the challenge I think God is saying to our body is, will you accommodate Him? And so as I was praying about this, because as I've heard about Asbury and I've been watching clips and I'm, I'm just like, God, because I know God has spoken that he is going to visit us. I mean, this has been, I've, well, preached it, preached it, preached it, preached it, right? You're here. If you've been here every week, you know, it's almost the same message over and over. Prepare your hearts because he is coming. Well, he is here. And as I was just processing and praying with the Lord, I started thinking, what if God is, has been here? Now, I know, 
you know, it's easy to like in a religious way say, well, of course he's here. Yeah, no, stop. You got to get my point and hear what I'm saying. Is that what if he's here and has been here and we see his manifestations, powerful manifestations, like epic manifestations. And then he's waiting and says, hey, I showed up. I served you ball. What will you do with it? Like in this volley imagery we've talked about for a long time now. God wants to be in partnership. It's all about him. You know, it's not about us, but it is about us. Because he chose to make it about us. And so there is a demand on us. God keeps intervening and saying, and, and we've talked about like, why is it that we just get an incredible service and then it's okay. And then we get an incredible service. I'm convinced after processing with God over this past week that he's waiting. He's here. He's been here a long time, like tangibly revival-like proportions. But he's saying, will they respond? Will they accommodate me? Now, this is not new in revival history. Asbury is just a, another like reflection of like back in the great awakening six people started praying because they lost college age students teenagers lost their best friend in a car accident and they went to their knees praying well that prayer just started rumbling into this incredible like move of god it went all throughout new england it swept over into Europe because testimonies started going there with people like Whitfield. But this, this move of God just started sweeping, but it came from just a few students responding to a terrible, tragic circumstance. And, you know, I wrote this paper in seminary about youth are the flashpoint of revival. And believe me, revival, I am not saying like that's where we want to stay. We want, we want revival to turn into social transformation. Like, and, you know, I keep bringing up McGlashan's because it was a real sign. But John, like when he came, he said, what's this big thing Steph preached about? Because he came and met the Lord on that Sunday. And, and I said, well, the same thing that happened to you happened all over the globe. And this is starting to rumble all over the globe. I mean, I got word from Bert. He sent a video, but it's too long to transfer. I couldn't do it, but it doesn't say much anyway. But <clears throat> anyway, he sent this and he goes, wow, Asbury's hitting Spain. Like we had prayer services last night. And in these prayer services, people were just, it just looked like clips from Asbury. It's just, or clips from this morning. People on their face, crying intensely, reaching out to God, hungering and thirsting for God. You know, and, and I want to talk about some because I was in a profound visitation of God that became a habitation. It was years, 94 till about 2000. Six years of visitation by God. Like I'm talking the kind that every service went five hours. I was the children's youth pastor at the time. And, you know, I just want to tell you, church, like, Revival causes all kinds of things. There is an undeniable presence of God, but I had to do three shifts in nursery. I had to do a movie, a nap time, 
three snacks. Like we had a full days, like it was running a daycare. I had to have six to eight hours of care for, we didn't put the sign up, parents, come and get your kids. It's been one hour and 59 minutes. Like really, are you really doing this to me? We determined that we were going to experience revival in the nursery and that we were gonna sit there and impart to the kids and believe God. And we weren't missing one thing by being in a room with kids. It was a continuation of, Lord, pour out your life all over them. Generations getting touched by God. And you can spiritualize, but the, where the rubber meets the road is, we don't have enough volunteers. Why? Because people don't believe that in their hearts. They believe it up in their head. But they don't believe in their hearts. That's why if they did, we'd have a flood of volunteerism in all these areas, raising up the next generation. Ha. Come on, Chris, preach it. But I remember back in that habitation, I mean, we had, how many kids do we have during that? Three or four? Um, four. Three, fourth came. Um, toward the end when we left but I mean we would just be there it would be like midnight and our kids Steph just got them in a routine brought some supplies they laid on blankets and they slept under the chairs because they could get hurt because of the crazy people that just got touched by God and did crazy things so we were like under the chairs go to bed and it's 12 o'clock 1 o'clock we're loading the kids in the car to come home from a service but these were drenched and it increased. It, there were services you couldn't get up from your chair. Like the presence of God was, you saw a lot of people up here sharing. They're, they're shaking, they're sensing the, the power of God on their hearts as they're just sharing what God spoke. But like we all were just stuck to our chairs. We were like, I don't care what happens in life. You could take me home now. I don't care. I'm just going to stay here for the rest of my life. That is the heart that was hungry for God. So, you know, we had all kinds of things like that. I'm incredibly well versed in revival and, and accommodating God. And I'm telling you now, we are right now. He is here. And he is waiting for a response from people. And it's not just a leader here or there. I want to just read this little, uh, it's a clip that actually Sarah gave me. And I don't even know who it is or what it is, but it's basically a, a publisher who went to this, to Asbury and visited for like a few hours with his team of apprentices. But I thought it was interesting. Around 1 p.m. we pulled into Wilmore, Kentucky and searched out the revival. What's happening there is a beautiful thing. They've had a nonstop worship service happening since Wednesday morning. Whether it's a revival or not, I have no idea. God didn't assign me to be the revival police. And I think that revival is a term that's easier to determine after the fact than in the midst of it. But I can tell you, people are encountering, encountering the Holy Spirit. God is healing hearts and relationships there. People are coming from all over to experience it. I'm so glad that our apprentices had the opportunity to participate. Sometime in their future, someone will bring it up and say, I was there. It's amazing to be in a space with a couple thousand people on a Monday afternoon 
and to recognize that almost everyone in that room had some other place they should be. This is all what I'm talking about, about accommodating God. I know I did. I had work to do. My apprentices had work to do. But every single person that day made a decision to prioritize the presence of God above everything else. There was no time to make arrangements. We all just showed up. Among those thousands, how many assignments went uncompleted? Games missed. Healthy dinners were traded for fast food. Meetings were canceled. Business opportunities lost. But we each decided it was worth it. One of the things I saw, listen to this, is that the Holy Spirit will fill the shape of the vessel he's invited into. I don't know Asbury well, but I think this event carried their signature. The Holy Spirit honored who they are, and everyone who came honored it as well. It was not a super charismatic atmosphere, and no one seemed to come up with their own agenda to turn it into that. Instead, it was marked with a gentle peace and specific sense of calmness and order. I think I can say this with due humility. The second thing I saw is that God has already been blessing us with what they're experiencing at Asbury. On Sunday, my pastor, who very much honors what's happening at Asbury, preached that we don't have to drive to Asbury because the same thing is happening here in our region. He's from Ohio. It turns out he was right. I was only there a few hours before it was time to drive home. But from what I saw, we already live in the present reality of what God is inviting people into in Asbury. I'm absolutely in full support of what's happening there, and I praise God for it. But we're in many ways already living in that community. This is what this guy is saying. This is before I even heard the Lord say, hey, listen, you got, you got everything there, and I'm just waiting. But from what I saw, he continues, we already live in the present reality of what God is inviting people into at Asbury. I'm absolutely, okay, wait, no. We experience the Holy Spirit, he says, every single week in our church community, and we experience the Holy Spirit on a regular basis at our company. Whether it's just a few of us in the morning worship, a gathering of 50 at one of the worship nights, that active measure of the Holy Spirit is just regular life, and we're still crying out for more. Our vessel has a little different shape than Asbury, but it's the same Holy Spirit. Visiting Asbury fired me up, but not in the way I expected. I selfishly wanted a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. But what I saw instead was people coming from all over to experience what we already were privileged to enjoy every day. I saw how spoiled we are and I was convicted about how much better of a job we can do of sharing it. In some way, I didn't know how hungry you are for this. It's just become normal for us to see miracles, prophecy, and other supernatural manifestations of the Spirit. I kind of thought that if you don't have it, you just must not want it. And I'm sorry for that. Plus, it's a hard thing to talk about because I don't want you to think we're bragging or believe we're something spiritually extraordinary. I also want to respect the privacy of those who come. 
but I can see that I can do a better job of stewarding the work of the Holy Spirit in our community. He's not the leader. He's just a person who goes to that community. He attends. He's part. He's active. Turns out, we have it. People want it. I think it's time to share it with you. And so then he just talks about how his, his job was even a time where, even at work, they meet for worship at 8.30 and meet the Holy Spirit. On Fridays, it's a little bit more elaborate. We usually have a prepared teaching, take communion together, intermixed with our regular work throughout the day. We're having spiritual conversations, discussing Bible, spiritual books. Our car trip was a microcosm of their life, writing, business, spirit, community, seamlessly working together. It's like what Stephanie, for years, has preached about this tapestry that we don't separate church from family, from work. It's just one life with the Lord where we're walking in obedience and hearing and talking. And then I just thought this was great because he says, that's why you've got to come here. Oh, he's talking about Zanesville, Ohio, where his apprenticeship is. But for a day or a week or even an hour or some Friday morning, prioritize the presence of God and just come. We'll make a space for you. And, you know, you read this, and it's the same things we're sharing here. The same thoughts, the same confirmation. And here's the big challenge, folks. I mean, we've said this a million different ways, but, you know, and we won't know. Time will tell. Is Asbury a habitation? I don't know. We'll, we'll know in about a year. I was in a habitation for five, six years. And what does it look like? It looks like the presence of God showing up and people making room to accommodate God. What does it look like? It looks like people just starting to come and pray. People just being led for there to be a habitation where there's and right now, we have prayer almost every day here. I think probably every day. At some point, some fashion, early in the morning. There's something happening. You know what I'm saying? Like, from, from the time he was here with us at the Repentance Sunday, what kept us, other than our willingness, to start just showing up after, staying till midnight that night with a group just praying and soaking in the presence of God? making way for him. And I'll tell you, you can rationalize. I'm going to speak to some of you and say, well, God has called me into business. And so, well, I will tell you this. You better be darn sure that you have heard from God and it's not some misaligned, rationalistic band-aid over real motives for material gain. I know I'm a businessman myself. I do a lot of things, and I'm constantly saying, God, speak to me. I want to do what you want me to do. I don't need more stuff. I don't need, I'm, I want to obey. And this is the kind of thing you have to brutally search the Lord for, is what is he saying to you? Because I'll tell you this, I want to warn you all, your flesh and your selfish desires are incredibly powerful. And I believe with all my heart, much of the church is led by those soulish things versus the Holy Spirit. I know it. 
I've led a church for a long time now. I've been steeped in it. My whole life has been dedicated to it. And I see it constantly. How do you see it? I don't have to judge anybody. It comes out of the way they live, the way they talk. But I'm not here to judge. I'm not here to say that all I'm saying is that is the case. Lots of people, depending on their human wisdom, and they've been saved decades, and they're still trusting themselves and depending on their own thoughts and not God's thoughts, not God's ways. I want to end with a couple scriptures here. You know, I, I want to say this too, that at the same point as the Holy Spirit's being poured out on all kinds of people all over the country, all over the world, in this powerful way, God is also judging the house. And if you remember Steph's message, God is going to judge churches and leadership for not having proper hearts and doing their thing. There was just a major, in fact, it was deemed last year as the fastest growing church in America, right here in New England, a whole network of them, same movement. They just announced that they're shutting down a bunch of their churches because they don't have the leaders and there's accusations of poor leadership, compromise, abuse. I'm telling you folks, God is going to judge the church and where, and he's gonna judge the house of God. What I mean church is us, us, we're the church. He's gonna judge us. And that's not to make you, well, it should make you afraid. If, if you need judging, it, it, it should make you afraid. You should go home troubled today. And I'm not gonna do anything to not make you feel that way. Like no, no glossing over, patting you on the back. If you are not confident in your walk with God, like you know that you know, and you've searched your heart, and you've said, Lord, am I deceived? You ask other people, do you think what I'm doing? If you think it's all about you just hearing from God, you've missed the Bible too. You've got to know that you know, but it has to be confirmed by other people who aren't blinded like you are. Like you're walking with toilet paper hanging out your back going, oh, there's nothing wrong with me. And people are going, uh, buddy, you, 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 leave me alone. Who are you to judge? got to listen to the body we are put in a body with a bunch of other sheep and this wonderful shepherd because he cares about us and wants people to protect us unfortunately there's a lot of soulish people in the church and they are protecting idols and hearts rather than helping foster devotion to jesus christ and that's another warning to all of you that you aren't led by your emotions and you're coddling people and their idols versus challenging them with truth. That's what the Lord spoke out of many people today, right? Truth. Speaking the truth in love. That's what our body needs. So we need to walk in the fear of the Lord. You know, like, what, is, what, is, what does revival look like? It's when all these churches shut down and all these people are are disillusioned and hurt and saying wow i trusted and i was so hurt and then they begin to shipwreck because they didn't have their eyes on jesus they had it unfortunately they were young and they had it on men who represented jesus and now think it's jesus 
And I'm, I'm challenging you with this happening right in our back doorstep, right? Walk in the fear of the Lord and humility when churches get judged. Pray for the leaders that they'll find repentance. Pray for the young followers that they'd be healed from disillusionment and that we don't sit there and stroke them in their agony, but we say, hey, listen to me. Look at me. Listen, Jesus is faithful. If you have your, your eyes on men and they let you down, that's your fault. Do you look at me, look at me, look at me. They're just stewards. And they should be men who are examples. There should be church leaders. There should be churches that are functional and healthy and genuine and authentic. So you want to tell them, trust again, because God can heal a broken heart twice. We can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. We can't because we get hurt. Turn against leadership. Turn against church. Turn against God's purposes. We have to let go of those things in the past and say, Father, heal. Heal us all. Heal us all. Help us all in our imperfection. Take care of my own pride. Okay, so I want to just share a couple scriptures here and leave you with this. Luke 12, 22. He starts in this whole thing about saying to his disciples, for this reason I tell you, don't worry about your life to what you're to eat, nor for your body as to what you're to wear. For life's more than food and the body's more than clothing. Consider the ravens that they never, they neither sow nor reap. They have no storeroom or barn and yet God feeds them. How much more valuable are you than the birds? And which of you by worrying can add a day to your lifespan? Therefore, if you cannot do a very little thing, why do you worry about the other things? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither labor nor spin. But I tell you, not even Solomon in all his glory is clothed like these. Now, if God clothes the grass in the field, which is alive today and tomorrow's thrown in the furnace, how much more will he clothe you? You of little faith, and, you, and do not seek what you are to eat and drink, and do not keep worrying, for all these things are what the nations of the world eagerly seek. And your Father knows that you need these things. But seek the kingdom, and all these things will be provided to you. Do not be afraid, little flock, because the Father has chosen to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions. Give to charity. See, I really like that. We, we need a place to meet together. Like, this two rooms. We're doing what we can, but, like, it is only growing more, and the rooms are full, and the parking lot's full. We got to build a bigger place. We got to. And we got to be together. It's, it's what incited the tent, right? Is that we could be together. Well, that isn't good 180 days of the year. Make yourselves money belts that do not wear out. It keeps going for where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And this is what I really wanted to get to. Be prepared and keep your lamps lit. What does that mean? It means... You have a role of providing oil that the flame will keep going. We, we pre I preached the whole message a few weeks ago on the, the virgins who did not prepare. And some were prepared and then met the bridegroom. The others were not prepared and they ran out. By the time they went and bought oil, the whole thing was missed. 
You are to be, listen to this, you are to be like people who are waiting for their master when he returns from the wedding feast so that they may immediately open the door for him when he comes and knocks. It's this imagery of us as servants waiting for, for the Lord to come home from an event like a banquet. I just, just stop there and consider what that is. It means the servant is sitting inside the house, not very far from the site of the door, because, you know, back then they didn't have those little alarms that when someone comes in your drive, it goes off and a little ding, ding in your house. So they were doing whatever they could right around the door, sitting there, reading, doing anything they could, watching the door, because as soon as that thing knocked, they were there, sir, come. This is what, this is the imagery it's building is, are you a servant who is waiting at the door when your master comes? so that they may immediately open the door for him when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master will find on the alert. Truly I say to you that he will prepare himself to serve and have them recline at the table and he will come up and serve them. Whether he comes in the second watch or even in the third and finds them, blessed are those servants. But be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would have not allowed his house to be broken into. You too, be ready, because the Son of Man is coming at an hour. You do not think he will. Peter said, why are you telling us this, Lord? Are you telling this parable to us or to someone else? Are you preaching to them or us? And the Lord said, who then is the faithful and sensible steward whom the master will put in charge of his servants to give them their rations at the proper time? Blessed is the servant whom his master finds so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will put him in charge of all his possessions. See, the Lord is watching our responses. And I can't see your responses in your life. I can see some. But I mostly see you when you're here putting on your best. Many of you. Many of you, I, I have seen you. When you just got out of bed and you're ugly and mean. I get him. I love that, Chris. Is that Chris? Oh, yeah, that's him. He's here. But God sees you every single second. He knows your frailties well. Will you be a faithful servant, a sensible steward? If the servant says in his heart, oh, you mean I don't have to say it out loud? No, because God hears this stuff that no one else hears. Those thoughts are like, this is so dumb. Like, mature people don't vent that stuff even in their home, right? They don't say that. Parents don't talk foolishness so that their kids hear. 
And then the kids, they wonder why their kids are foolish. Well, it's very easy to understand. But let's say you're more mature than that. We're not even talking that. We're talking about having a bad thought of, this is so dumb, that idiot. Like, what in the world? And God's like, oh, I heard that thought in your heart. Right? And he said, if a servant says in his heart, my master will take too long to come. And he begins to beat the other servants, both men and women, and eat and drink and get drunk. Then the servant of the master of that servant will come home that day and he does not expect, and at an hour that he does not know, and will cut him in two and assign him a place with the unbelievers. And the servant who knew his master's will and did not get ready or act in accordance in his will will receive many blows. But the one who did not know it and committed acts deserving of a beating will receive only a few blows. So basically he's saying, like, if you are just ignorant and young and don't know, you're going to be treated and disciplined accordingly, but God will discipline. He is looking, folks. There was this prophetic word that came out the other day about um, God has already sent his angel and set seals upon the hearts of those that he's seen living for him with a pure heart. I mean, there's just so much stuff going on in the spirit right now that is saying like, I am coming. I have come. I'm here already. I'm watching when no one thinks I'm here already. And I'm taking note and I'm putting things into play based on how you're living now. The decisions you make, they tell where your heart is. So this isn't, this isn't to say, you're damned, just run while you can. Because you can't run anywhere. Wherever you go, he's going to chase you down and he sees you. You can't escape God. That's not the purpose of this message to make you feel bad. The purpose of this message is to change. You have the opportunity to change. You have the opportunity to actually say, and you know what? Some of you make it so much more difficult than it is and you start feeling overwhelmed and stressed because you're like I just can't change I can't do enough I, I don't the point is that's your problem the problem is you're trying to do everything and trying to make everything the right way and God's saying no I'm just asking you to surrender like I'm just asking you to let me do what I want to do it's like even a revival. There's nothing you can do except make yourself available and obey. And when he starts prodding your heart, you're like, I can accommodate that, Lord. Yes. It's opening your heart and being available to be used, to pray, to just... And listen, I'm not even stuck to this, this traditional, like, like, pray as in you need to go in a closet somewhere. I'm like... I'm open to even this idea of a prayer-filled lifestyle where all day long you are saying, Lord, you know, like, what are you saying here? What are you doing in this? You're constantly in communication to God. You find time to lock yourself away five minutes and even just go, okay, Lord, I just, I need your insight into this right now. Just right now, I just pray you fill me up. Let me know. Let me hear you. We make things so religious and they should not be religious. It is a relationship with God. You know, I liken it. Have we thought about what it would be? What is it like when we have someone come and live in our house? How many people have 
in this room and the next room, how many people have had someone move into their home, into a room? Okay. Did anyone get a memo on how that works? Like, were there like, did you send them this packet the day before and say, now this is what you're going to do. And you're, you're going to walk through the front door and you're not going to go into any other room. You're going to go to the kitchen first and I will meet you there and I'll explain everything to you. Then we're going to go to the room that you're staying in. But do not go anywhere else because that won't be until seven days from the time you move in. I mean, and this lengthy contract, it's like, that's my point. With God, it's the same way. You welcome them in. You help them get settled. There's boxes for about a few days or a week, right? Things are a mess. It takes time to settle. God is not this unreasonable God. He is just wanting you to accommodate him. He didn't want perfection. He didn't want, like, he doesn't expect that. Believe me, that's why he sent Jesus, because he knew it was impossible for you to be perfect. Then he sent his spirit and said, I'm sending you a spirit so that you'll live above the law. You will live with power and live as a superhuman. And you won't have to struggle with sin and all these bad thoughts and all this spirit of the world that draws you into the cares of the world and the the wealth and the lust of the world. We don't have an excuse, and those of you who sit and, and lament and struggle and woe is me, you lack faith, and all you have to do is ask him for it. Say, Lord, I am very low on faith. He wants you to just be real and ask for the things you need. He is a loving God that gives you what you need. We got to step out of the old and step into the new. We got to begin to seek the Lord and stop complicating everything. It's simple. Seek his presence and accommodate him. Make room for it. He's not going to ask you to go to eight hours a day here if you're not used to even praying once a day. But he's going to ask you to pray a few times a day now. And he's going to say, hey, we're going to up that. You did really good with that the first couple days. We're going to up it. Now you're going to spend at least 10 minutes. And I want you to, every time you go to the bathroom, begin to pray and seek me and ask to be filled with the Spirit. As you get rid of your stuff, ask him to fill your heart. That's so easy, right? That's an easy reminder. Out with the old, Lord. In with the new. Lord, pour in my heart, Lord. That's it, folks. You know what? I leave you with this challenge, and I just, I think you need to talk about it in life groups. I think you really need to, like, not rehash the message and just get right into business. How will you accommodate the Lord? What is he speaking to your heart? Let people know. Like, what is he asking of you? During baptisms, I'm telling you, we just, we may need to just keep it up. How many want to be baptized in this place that haven't? Raise your hand. Okay, how many, how many in the other room, Steve? Put your mic on. Steve? Uh, we have one over here. Everyone else is fully sanctified. That there, folks, is a Steve Arsenal answer. Vintage Steve Arsenal right there. I'm going to call him Batch 21. 
Well, listen, um, Dave, raise your hand. Are you the one they go to for, for their worksheet? Before you leave today, if you want to be baptized, just see him. He's going to send you a worksheet, and we'll schedule a time, and we'll keep this baby up here, and you can invite your family and friends and say, come and watch me die in the water and come out a new creation, right? I wonder how many of our friends and family would come if we said that. Like, hey, man, you got to come. There's a big event happening in two weeks. What's happening, man? I'm going to die. They're going to drown me in the water at church. And I'm going to pop up out of the water, a new man, and you're not going to recognize me from that point on. So you better get, get used to the old guy because he's dying in two weeks. Oh, Lord, we just thank you for this day, this time. Everything you've done in our midst, you've been so amazing. And Lord, you don't cease to amaze us and fill our hearts. We thank you for the healings today, Father. I mean, man, to have an ailment that just drains your energy and then to be healed from it. Lord, to have those lies that we've held on to and that sin that we don't confess how it drains our energy and our life from us i thank you for the people who repented today and confessed their sins and were set free thank you for the healing of bodies thank you for the healing of souls thank you for the the death to the old man in all these baptisms today and i just pray i pray for all those in our community that aren't here that, Lord, as they hear these words of life, their hearts would be pricked. They'd be touched. They'd be challenged. We'd be brought to a new place of seeking you, a new place of hunger, a new place of life. 